Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Linfont and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today is January 9th, 2019 and it is approximately 4 o'clock at the time of this recording. Um, so obviously uh, we're going to start out with the Ravens and Chargers game that took place this past Sunday. Not the result we were hoping to get out of the Ravens and Chargers game in the wild card round. The Ravens with the four seed, Chargers coming in 12-4, and four, uh, only, the, only a fifth seed because the Chiefs won that division at 12-4 and four as well. Um, and the Ravens have beaten the Chargers. Ma- they manhandled the Chargers two weeks prior to this uh, matchup. But here we are again, and it did not go as well this time around. The Chargers pretty much manhandled the Ravens in this one. I wrote an article that I think that the Chargers exposed the Ravens offense for what it is, a gimmick, but there wasn't really a whole lot the Ravens could do in that dimension um, simply because they don't have the offensive firepower to have really completely switched up their entire offense to move Lamar Jackson from, you know, a running quarterback into a passing quarterback. It just would have been a complete nightmare had they tried to, you know, overhaul it. Um, But they did the best they could, I think, um, that the Chargers just understood what was coming at them this time. They they put three safeties in the box. well, there's three defensive backs. I don't know if they're all safeties, but they consistently did that over and over again instead of linebackers. Now they did this because they knew that the linebackers wouldn't be able to catch up to Lamar Jackson. They wouldn't have that lateral speed when Lamar Jackson hits that out the outside, and he still hit a few big runs. Um, but you know they wouldn't have that lateral speed to get to Lamar Jackson and stop him. And that's what the Chargers really wanted to do. They wanted to take away the Lamar Jackson ground game. Now what that did for Lamar Jackson is essentially. Um, it took away his passing game, too. He didn't have that, that uh, run to the outside. He didn't have all these guys coming at him, uh, so he would have less people out um, You know, being in pass protection. Uh, the pass protection was um, very good. Um, defensive pass protection, so defensive pass coverage. Not uh, We're not talking about the offensive line here. Um, it just couldn't work. He w- wasn't making great decisions, wasn't firing um, very accurately. When those safeties were in the box, the Chargers eventually pulled them out in late in the fourth quarter to play, you know, um, uh, uh, prevent defense. The old DNPs prevent defense. Uh, it didn't really work out for them. The Ravens almost came back to win it, um, but you know he really didn't have a whole lot of success passing and running. wasn't really a great day. It wasn't a great day for it either. The, none of the Ravens rushers could really get moving. Lamar Jackson was the best, but the other the two running backs who got involved, Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon. Uh, they they average around 2.7 and 2.9 yards, if I remember correctly, per carry. Um, the fumbles, I think Lamar Jackson probably had the worst game of his career in this game. I mean, the fumbles he, he had were atrocious. Uh, very bad ball security by him. I believe Kenneth Dixon also fumbled the ball. It was just not a good day. And, and the pass protection wasn't great either. He was getting sacked left and right. Um, just not a great overall day by the offense. Uh, I watched the tape. I took some complaints from people. Uh, I wrote an article saying I think that Marty Mornweg should come back, and we're going to talk about that in a second here. But uh, I took complaints from people saying that it was his play calling that they were to blame, his 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 adjustments or lack thereof to blame for this. But I really think it was just execution. I think Lamar not being able to pass. I think the the the, the missed blocks on the offense. I think the way the Chargers knew this was going to come at them, and and really frankly, uh, the inability to adjust is it was something in there but I don't really chalk that up to Marty Mornway so much as I do as the rest of the offense I think it would have been a mistake to really try to make Lamar Jackson become a pocket passer immediately right then and there to give him things that he probably wasn't comfortable with maybe maybe plays he hasn't ran look we don't know what the Ravens playbook looks right now like right now he might have problems relaying some of these routes 
problems reading the defense, and Marty Mornweg knew that and knew that would only make it uh, a, a worse situation. So we don't really know. But I think based on what happened, I don't really see anything, any real crazy adjustments aside from putting Joe Flacco in um, to maybe changing the outcome of this game. Um, we'll talk about Flacco in a little bit. I want to also credit the defense, though. The defense, I thought, played an outstanding game the best they possibly could with the with the offense completely failing on all cylinders, getting beat out um, in things they always do well on. They were not rushing the ball effectively. They came out with 90 total yards rushing. Uh, not a good day. The longest run was 17 yards on the day. Um, of course, I remember there was at least one. I think there may have been two long rushes mm, Excuse me, by Lamar Jackson uh, where he went down the field. But they were negated by... Um, penalties, and, you know, I think one of them was holding call, um, so some of these, you know, things were just, just weren't meant to be, I guess, um, but, you know, looking at the defense, given, given the, the situation they were in, losing the time of possession, the offense not moving the ball a lot, keep giving it back to Phillip Rivers, um, you know, the, 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 the Chargers ran a ridiculously more, you know, a, a ridiculously more amount of plays than the Ravens did, the Chargers ran 71 plays, and I'm sorry, um, not 71 plays. The, the Ravens ran 71 plays in total. Uh, the Chargers ran 84. Um, and this is only because the Ravens started racking up some plays towards the end there when they were having those long sustained drives and the Chargers kind of just petered out on offense, tried to run the clock out. But it was a bigger discrepancy. At some points, it was like about a 20, 20 play discrepancy between these guys on their drives. So it was not very good. Um, the, the unsustainability of it, I think, really showed of this offense on Sunday. You know, this isn't a sustainable offense, and I think the Ravens will change it next year. Um, I can't see them ever, you know, trying this again. I think this was only the the offense that they had to build around Lamar Jackson for year one here. You know, when they were forced to put him in uh, over Joe Flacco with that injury, they switched over the offense and continued to run with it as it wasn't getting stopped. And I guess I just assumed that it wouldn't get stopped, that no one was going to have an answer for it this season. The Chargers figured out, you know, they, they cracked the enigma, as I said earlier, um, on this, this offense. Um, but you knew it was eventually going to come. Uh, it just happened to be the Chargers game, and the complete offensive meltdown really cost them the game. Um, but I'm really not going to level too much blame on Marty Mornweg here. Um, I'm not really sure what he could have actually done to prevent this uh, going into it. You know, I, I don't really think that Lamar Jackson would have been any better if he was just restricted being a pocket passer. I th again, I think the only decision they could have made at this point to save the game offensively would have been putting in Joe Flacco. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that right now. Joe Flacco, obviously... Uh, Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 47. His last year with the Ravens, they're going to trade him away or release him um, after, during this offseason at some point. Um, and it's really regrettable to see him go because he's been a fixture of this team. He's been one of the best players uh, in Ravens history, and he's been a fantastic quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens over the past 11 years. Um, but it's his time to go at this point. Obviously, the injuries were starting to rack up for him. Um, and the Ravens decided it was time to move on. They drafted Lamar Jackson, and you knew it was going to come either this season or next season. Uh, because because of the injury, the hip injury this year really is going to come earlier than I thought when they first drafted Lamar Jackson. Um, so um, there's a lot of places Flacco could go. I think New York Giants, Washington Redskins, Denver Broncos, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars will all be interested in him. Uh, who knows? Um, I don't really want to get too much into that right now. It's still too early to really tell because uh, we haven't even hit free agent. We haven't even gotten close to free agency. We're still in the playoffs here. Um, but whether or not the Ravens should have put him in, I think they probably should have. Uh, during the game, I said that Lamar Jackson should get one shot, one drive in the second half, and then if he still can't do anything, um, he he should be benched for Joe Flacco. 
not because I want Joe Flacco as a long-term starter here, um, even though I really wouldn't mind it. I'm not really sure how Lamar Jackson will pan out. I've said, you know, I've expressed this, expressed this, um, you know, uh, um, con- not consideration, but concern. I've expressed this concern for a little while now that I'm not really sure how Lamar Jackson will pan out. Um, but they, they put him in, uh, they put Lamar Jackson back in at the start of the third quarter. Um, it doesn't go very well. He runs for two yards, gets sacked for three, gets sacked for nine, and then they have to punt it away, and it just was not a very good start to the second quarter. I'm sorry, third quarter, second half. Uh, He didn't do very well at all in the first half of the game. Abysmal statistics. Um, He really only pulled it together, not so much in garbage time, excuse me, but when the, the Chargers kind of moved more into a prevent defense, kind of allowing him to have that run in his back pocket again, and that's what he took over with. Um, he used that, you know, his ability to get, get out of the pocket to make something happen. He did that a few times, but you know, when the, when they were playing that to prevent defense, when they took those defensive backs out of the, of the box, that's when Lamar Jackson had that opportunity there, um, to shine. But we also could have seen here, maybe, you know, they would have had to change their complete game plan if we put Joe Flacco in. I think Joe Flacco would have given us a, a much better chance to win than Lamar Jackson at this point. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know. It's hindsight is twenty twenty. During the game, I thought this as well, but you know, I'll, I'll stick to my guns here just because that's what I said. Would they have won the game if they put Joe Flacco in? No one can really know. Who knows what the Chargers had up their sleeve in that for that situation? They probably considered it going into it in case Flacco does come in. Um, so I, I don't know whether or not Joe Flacco would have won the game. I think they would have had a better chance to win the game with Flacco in, um, but that's just not what happened. And the Ravens made a statement basically by saying we're going to stick with Lamar Jackson regardless of how badly he's playing. We're going to stick with him throughout this game. They made a statement for the future, and that's that at this point. Um, I'm disappointed the Ravens could have couldn't have pulled this off. I thought they would have. I thought that they would have um, been able to do this, um, and I thought the weapons at the, their disposal would have been able to to really kind of not you know stop the Chargers. But I think that the matchup I thought was still favorable, and the defense did the job they had to do. It's just the offense was not able to come up with a solution for the very strange. But, you know, successful idea that the Chargers came up with to stop Lamar Jackson, I would never have thought putting... I mean, it's very risky to put three defensive backs in the box like that. Uh, but they gambled. They dared him to throw. And when he did throw early on, it, it did not end well. So um, props to them for really, you know, figuring it out. And that's on tape now. I said this on Twitter, I think. And I think I said this in the blog. Uh, it, it's on, That's on tape now. And if you don't think teams are going to replicate that next year, uh, you're crazy. Maybe not the entire game like the Chargers did, basically. Uh, but for certain packages, oh, you bet that people are going to put those three guys in the box like that. Safeties or defensive backs or whatever they want to put in the box. They're putting them there. Um, so we'll have to see how it, how it pans out, what the Ravens can change moving on in this offseason here. Uh, they're going to have to change something on offense because, you know, this isn't going to work long term. If Lamar Jackson can't develop into a thrower in year two into an effective passer, uh, the Ravens probably won't make the playoffs. Um, but you know, it's a long ways away. We have six months until really OTAs start at this point. I believe they start in June, uh, and it's only January 9th today. So we've got a way long time to go. Um, so six months without football, uh, Ravens football, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, but I think we'll get through it. Uh, so, you know, moving on though, was 2018 a success? Uh, you know, this is a question that I really have to think about here. Um, I think it was a success because, for a few reasons. 
Um, in the end, the Ravens won the AFC North, and making the playoffs, I think, is what determines a season of success. If you want to have major success, you go far in the playoffs, and the ultimate success is obviously the Super Bowl. But a successful season, I think you get in the playoffs. So 2018 and that success, uh, that that metric, I think, is a success. Um, and the other reason I think it's success, frankly, is the adversity the Ravens went through and what they were able to come back through. Uh, they started out 3-1, and one, fall to 4-5, and five, and things were looking very bleak. Flacco gets hurt. Lamar Jackson has to come in, you know, fans calling to talk radio saying it's time to get rid of Harbaugh. Like right now, like right after this game against uh, Pittsburgh, they were livid, and they come back. They beat the Bengals, you know. They, they end up being the, the Raiders, the Falcons, uh, and they almost beat the Chiefs, and they come back, and they just start winning these games, and they get themselves at least in position to make the playoffs, and then they make the playoffs, and that that's a huge success, and, and hats off to the coaching staff for being able to pull the guys together and, and, and really fight for what they wanted to get, and they got it. They got in the playoffs. Um, so in that sense, I think it's a huge success, 2018, and I look forward to next year. I think they can be good like next year. They're going to need to, to see some development out of their rookie quarterback here. Um, but, you know, it's a huge success this year, and we'll see what the future brings for the Ravens in 2019. Um, so let's move on here to, to a, a hotly debated uh, – well, I'm not really sure it's hotly debated. I think the Ravens flock tends to be a 99.9% consensus. At this point, that the Ravens should fire Marty Mornweg. I might be the only person in this fan base that thinks – that the Ravens should not fire Marty Mornweg, that Marty Mornweg should return for 2019. Uh, I, I made an article uh, the other day and got lambasted with Twitter comments, uh, and my mentions were completely filled up for a day uh, about this topic. Uh, but Marty Mornweg, look, uh, for what, what you want to say about him, what you want to call say about his play calling, what he did to this Ravens offense, he completely changed it around based on what, what we could work with. And he kind of got lucky, I think, with Gus Edwards coming out and, and really be able, being able to produce. But the scheme they put Gus Edwards in, I mean, that scheme going up the middle, doing what he has to do that way, I mean, that worked for him. And they really worked. They, he tailored the offense around everything they possibly had. That was a bonus. And anything that didn't work, he didn't even attempt it. And I think that is probably um, his finest moment as an offensive coordinator was probably this year. Um, say what you will about the game against the Chargers, whether or not he made enough adjustments. I don't know. I don't know what he had up his sleeve, what he knew about the team and, and what they're practicing. I mean, look, you're not going to want to... If you didn't practice something, if you go through an entire game plan and you don't practice something because, A, you don't think your quarterback will need it, or, B, you're super confident that this is, this is, this is what's going to beat the Chargers, um, then I, you don't just... I mean, maybe with a veteran quarterback, you can draw something up at halftime and say, okay, we're going to run this play where... We put John Brown on a go route. Uh, we put Michael Crabtree on a post and Willie Snead on a slant. We're going to do this like three more times to start the half on a play action or something. But we don't have this in our playbook. you you got to make sure the guys understand this. You do that with a rookie quarterback, that's not going to end very well. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, he, he, he's he been in the, the system for this year now. But, you know, coming out of college, you know, going through those mental reps you got to get through and, and figuring out, the play calling style and and how plays are called. I mean, it might just be a little bit over his head at this point in his career, and that's not taking anything away from him because, frankly, there's not many rookie quarterbacks that would be able to do that scenario, to go through that scenario and pull it off. Um, so I don't know what he had, you know, up his sleeve, whether or not he had all these passing plays, and he tried to pass a few times in the first half. I think they tried eight, if I'm not mistaken here, eight passing plays in the first half. Um, I'll check up on that as I'm talking here, but. 
I mean, I don't know specifically what was up his sleeve. I don't know what he knew that 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 Lamar Jackson couldn't do. Um, so yeah, they they tried passing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the first half. We have the first two passes are complete for five, twelve. Then incomplete, 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 inter, incomplete, interception, incomplete. So right off the bat, that's not very good um, at all, especially that interception late down there. And then they come out. Uh, they don't start passing. They pass once in the third quarter um, to Max Williams for eight yards. And then, you know, but look, the, the way the first quarter went, the first half went, I can see why they toned down the passing because it wasn't very good. Um, I, I have some notes here. I already looked at the the, um, the tape. Uh, I, I We have some inaccurate throws. Um, the strip sack, he could have, um, he had on that strip sack where he picks it up and scrambles for yards, um, or no, he doesn't scramble. He scrambles around and then throws it. Uh, before he was even strip sacked, um, he has John Brown wide open on a slant for an easy first down, uh, and he was like, I think, dead staring at him, and he just pulls out behind and goes. So I mean, this isn't the most encouraging play from your rookie quarterback. You mess up with the, you mess that. If you're not gonna put Flacco in, you can't really mess with the game plan and you know redo things. So. I mean, maybe more adjustments were, were necessary, and they probably were necessary to win the game, but I, I feel for Marty Mornerweg on this one. Um, as long as he can progress next year, I don't think there'll be a problem with Marty Mornerweg calling the plays. I think Marty Mornerweg knows how to get the most out of the players he has on the field. Uh, the other reason I think Marty Mornerweg should stay uh, primarily is what he did with Michael Vick in Philadelphia. Um, I don't think it's any secret that I'm not the biggest Michael Vick fan in the world. I think he's a bit overrated as a quarterback um, when he was playing. But what he did in 2010 with Mario Mornweg as the offensive coordinator, uh, you can't really discount that. Uh, first time he goes over 60%. Uh, first time he throws over 3,000 yards. I think it was his most touchdown uh, throwing. He threw the most touchdowns of his career, and he still rushed for over 600 yards. So easily the best year of Michael Vick's career. Came under Marty Mornweg. Uh, so I think if Marty has a chance really to go into year two with, with Jackson here, I think that experience with Vick and how he was able to find success with Vick you know, I had people on Twitter tell me that was more of Vic covering up Marty, but even if that's true, you still have that experience with with Vic and understanding how a mobile quarterback can succeed the best, and Marty should be able to implement a an offense around um, around Lamar Jackson here and actually make it a pretty good one. Um, as long as Lamar Jackson again progresses into year two, becomes a better thrower, we need to see him consistently throw for over sixty yards. I'm not. I'm sorry, not sixty yards. Sixty percent completion a game. I don't want that to be the anomaly of the year. Um, I'd rather have that 50% completion anomaly. Um, so I do think that they should keep Marty Mornweg. I know that's not a very popular opinion in this fan base, um, but that's just how I see it. Uh, the Ravens haven't fired him yet. It's now Wednesday. The game was on Sunday. Uh, I really don't think they're going to make any move here. And if they did make a move, it would be for Greg Roman, who's probably, um, you know, being considered for some other jobs around the league, I would think. I mean, he's he was the offensive coordinator with with the um, San Francisco 49ers and Jim Harbaugh with the Bills for a little bit. Um, and Greg Mo- Roman is a great coach, especially with the run game. Um, but I'm not sure I would want someone like Greg Roman, who's really tailored to that run game calling a place. I think Marty Mornweg, with his overall experience, and especially with Michael Vick, um, is is pretty is pretty good to have at offensive coordinator at least for next year. I'm not arguing that he should be here for the next 10 years. I'm arguing he should be here for next year. If it doesn't pan out next year, if it doesn't pan out four weeks into next year, I'm not opposed to firing the guy. But I think 
that based on what I know about him right now and the situation unfolding with the Ravens, I think that it would be the best decision to keep him moving forward into 2019. Um, but, you know, speaking of 2019, the Ravens obviously um, are going to have some free agents available here. Um, so what is what are the Ravens going to make? Um, I'm sorry, what are the Ravens going to do here based in free agency? Uh, there's a lot of, well, we're not really going to talk about today um, who the Ravens are going to go after. I'm going to talk about Ravens um, who will be, you know, their contract expiring here in 2019, who may not be back with the team. Um, so this includes guys, you know, who have been here forever. Terrell Suggs, right? He's going to be a free agent in 2019. We're also going to see C.J. Mosley become a free agent in 2019. Uh, John Brown will be a free agent in 2019. Robert Griffin III, Max Williams, Brent Urban, Ty Montgomery, they just traded for him. Zadaria Smith had a good year this year. Buck Allen, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste spent, I think, the entire year either on the IR or one of the injured uh, lists. Alex Collins will be a free agent. Patrick Unwasso, uh, Nick Boyle, Matt Skura, Jermaine Illuminor. I mean, these are, sorry, these are uh, exclusive rights free agents and restricted free agents here. Um, so really, the only guys we're really talking about here are Nick Boyle, Peanut, and Alice Collins are restricted rights, so is, are, is Stanley Jean-Baptiste. Um, but other restricted rights free agents, we're going to see Gus Edwards, Lance Turner, Quincy Adeboyejo, Michael Pierce, uh, Jermaine Illuminor, Metzger, as I already mentioned. Um, so, look, I think the Ravens are flat out going to lose Terrell Suggs here. Um, and I think it's going to be kind of like a mutual thing at this point. And Suggs might retire into the sunset at, at, right now. I don't think Suggs is coming back next year. Um, no way the Ravens want to pay him versus... Let's say Zedaria Smith. If they can take the money they, they would save on re-signing Suggs and signing Zedaria Smith, you bet a million times over they're signing Zedaria Smith. Suggs is 36 at this point. Uh, Smith is 26, 10 years younger. This guy's turning into a good pass rusher. It's hard to turn him down. It's hard. It's very difficult to turn that down. Um, you know, I think John Brown will also be gone. I think I don't even think John Brown wants to be back with the Ravens next year. Um, because with Flacco, I mean, that was the connection, I think, for the Ravens with Flacco, and that was one of the better connections in the NFL. Uh, I thought for sure he'd finish with over 1,000 yards, and then Flacco gets hurt, and he's barely catching 20 yards a game. Uh, if I'm John Brown, I'm walking after this year. I think there's enough game tape out there with a, with a passing offense that another team will, will say, like, look at this guy, look at John Brown, he sustained the whole year, uh, no injury this year, and he had a great year when we had a, when they had a, you know, passing quarterback in there so you know he'll be a good addition to somewhere else's offense and I hope he gets a good job somewhere CJ Mosley I really don't think that CJ Mosley is going anywhere I know a lot of people on Twitter you know want to be want to be Ozzie Newsom for a day or Eric DaCosta for a day now and tell me that CJ Mosley can't cover so therefore we can't take him um but you know what middle linebacker is actually good at covering like like defensive back good at covering like you know I don't really know of any, and I think Mosley is still one of the best middle linebackers in the league. I think it'd be very stupid not to resign him, unless you get outbid and you, you just can't afford it. Then maybe you have to let him walk at that point, and you'll earn a huge comp pick on that. But if you can resign him, you've got to resign him. Number one, that should be the biggest goal of this this offseason. Get C.J. Mosley on a long term contract. I need a four or five year deal with C.J. Mosley. Nothing else. Uh, and, and, you know, some people express to me that they feel like C.J. Mosley will be another Brandon Williams contract where Brandon Williams gets paid, what, like $52 million, doesn't live up to the expectations 
of that contract. And look, it's a little bit different here. C.J. Mosley is a four-time Pro Bowler in five years. He's made the All-Pro list as a second-teamer for four out of five years. All the years he made the Pro Bowl, same thing there. He's an excellent tackler. He's an excellent run stuffer. Yes, he has problems in coverage once in a while. Well, not really once in a while, but he has problems in coverage. Um, but, I mean, what other middle linebacker out there is going to be able to cover, you know, John Brown across it or Antonio Brown if he's still in this division or A.J. Green? Like, what middle linebacker is going to be able to do that? And you saw when C.J. Mosley was gone from the, from the defense against the Bengals and A.J. Green, they started abusing the middle, like, no tomorrow, and it just ended in catastrophe for the Ravens. So... I really don't think there's much of an upside to letting C.J. Mosley walk here other than, like, you save some money and you get a comp pick. But whoop-de-doo, you lose uh, the arguably the best middle linebacker in the NFL. So I doubt that this is this is something the Ravens want to do. Um, and they're, they're going to be very aggressive, I think, in going after C.J. Mosley. Uh, Robert Griffin III, I really see him coming back next year. I think this will be an easy re-sign, Robert Griffin III. Unless another team reaches out to Robert Griffin and says he can compete for a starting job, I think he'll come back and be the backup to Lamar Jackson. Fits whatever offense that... He might fit the offense better, frankly, than Lamar Jackson, just because how much of a refined passer he is compared to Jackson. But, um, you know, whatever they, they put in for Jackson, RG3 can run it as well. You don't want to bring in, like, Nick Foles and expect Nick Foles to do all the read option running plays, right? Nick Foles can do RPO, but I don't think Nick Foles is going to want to run, you know, 15 times a game. I just don't think that there's something... something a pocket passer quarterback is going to be able to do, and I think it'd be kind of stupid to bring in a pocket passer and expect him to run the same offense as Lamar Jackson. Uh, Max Williams, I think they'll let Max Williams walk unless he signs a very low deal here. Uh, I think Brent Urban will probably walk as well. Uh, I know they signed him for a one-year deal here. He did okay this year, not really a huge standout. Um, he could come back, but you know it's not going to be the biggest deal in the world for him. Ty Montgomery. Uh, I have no idea about this one. I think Ty could come back, but he didn't get a whole lot of touches this year. He might want to go find somewhere he might be able to get more touches. Um, so, I mean, he is only 26. The Ravens could sign him to a four-year deal and let him go after those four years. Uh, but he's he's a good receiving back, and he's got some good blocking abilities. So I think Ty Montgomery might be something. If they can get him for cheap, I think they should bring him back. I think Zedaria Smith is probably going to be the second biggest free agent they're going to try to resign here. Uh, obviously, 26-year-old. Pass rusher had a pretty good year this year. The Ravens, I'm almost 100% sure, I'm 99% sure that they're going to move on from Terrell Suggs this year. Um, so does Adarius Smith would be the obvious heir to that throne. Um, he's done well this year. I think he did well in 2015 when, when the Ravens were all injured, basically, and they had to get somebody else in there. But when Terrell Suggs' snap count started to drop this year, Zadarius Smith came in here and did very well. Buck Allen, uh, I think he's going to walk. I think he'll get another opportunity somewhere else. Obviously, the Ravens, I mean, they're not going to keep Ty Montgomery and Buck Allen, and they spent a pick on Ty Montgomery. So if they're going to assign one of these two, I think they'll, it'll be Ty. Um, I don't think Buck Allen will be back next year because they're very similar in their skill set. They're both receiving backs. They're both third-down guys. Um, Buck, I think he's a good player, but I think he's just going to walk. I don't. I mean, the Ravens might try to negotiate with him. They might not. We'll have to see how that plans out. Stanley, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, restricted free agent. I mean, the Ravens could resign him. Um if they let Jimmy Smith go, maybe for some depth, I think they will let Jimmy Smith go. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about this. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, whether or not they let Jimmy Smith go. They might try to restructure Jimmy Smith's contract. Um, and I've heard rumblings about people wanting to know if he could play at free safety. Um, but I think it would just make more sense to, to leave Eric Weddle on his contract this year. 
if you need somebody to play a free safety, if you don't think one of the two safeties we've drafted in the past two years is ready to play at free safety, then I don't think we should let Eric Weddle go at that point and expect Jimmy Smith to be able to do it. Um, but I don't really think Jimmy Smith is going to be here for much longer. If this is his next year, if he's here for one more year, I think that's it for him. Um, he could be a cut, and if he's cut, I could see maybe they bring back Stanley Jean-Baptiste or they go looking for another cornerback, a younger cornerback, somebody in the lower rounds, kind of like Anthony Averett was this year. Um, that's that's a question. I mean, he is a restricted rights free agent, so you know they'll have to match whatever someone else gives to him. And I, he's 29. I don't know if they're going to give him a whole lot. Uh, another restricted rights free agent, obviously Alex Collins. I really doubt he'll be back next year. Um, if if they let if someone else tries to to get him, and I think someone probably will try to get him. I mean, he had a great year in 28. I'm sorry, 2017 didn't do so well this year. Um, and the Ravens just might flat out cut him. Because, I, I mean, it's rough. He doesn't fit the scheme anymore. He fit the scheme under Flacco last year, what they had on offense. And it was apparent this year he just wasn't fitting the scheme from early on. And then when they transfer, transformed over to Lamar Jackson's offense, he's fit the scheme even less. Um, so I don't really think he'll be back next year. Peanut Anuasso, I don't think the Ravens want to let him go. I think he's a pretty good inside linebacker. Not, like, great. A little bit above league average, though. I think you pair him with Mosley and you know Kenny Young in there too to get rotations. I think you're fine. Um, I think he'll be back as long as no one offers him an outrageous contract. He's 27. You know he's probably got one big contract left in him. Uh, so I mean, someone could offer him huge money. No one's gonna offer him huge money though. I really doubt it. Uh, Nick Boyle is a you know unrestricted free agent here. This is an interesting signing. Um, they're gonna have to make a decision here. I think Nick Boyle probably will be back next year just because of what he adds in the blocking game. Uh, you have Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews there who will automatically be back next year. I think they'll part ways with Max Williams, though, um, to keep Nick Boyle. I think that's what makes the most sense for the Ravens here. Um, and a uh, exclusive rights free agent in Matt Skura. I think Max Skura, Jermaine Illuminor might get cut, but if not, he'll be back. Michael Pierce, restricted free agent. I, they'll, they'll keep Michael Pierce here. Uh, and they got to figure out what they're going to do with Brian Williams long-term because that contract is not good for the Ravens. Um, but Michael Pierce is a straight baller on the uh, inside of that that defensive line, the interior defensive lineman, really a huge run stuffer. Um, so I think that he'll be back pretty much no matter what. Quincy Adeboyejo, yeah, I don't see him coming back. I don't see David Lance Turner coming back, even though they're uh, exclusive rights free agents. Um, I think they'll probably get cut in the offseason. Gus Edwards, I think, will be back as an exclusive rights free agent. I really, really, really doubt they're going to let Gus Edwards walk. They might go and draft a running back. I'm going to tell you that right now, January 9th here. They might go draft a running back early on in the draft, but they're not going to let Gus Edwards go. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but basically, that's the situation we're, we're looking at here in this Ravens free agent market. A lot of guys up for grabs. Um, I think some will stay, some will go. Um, moving on a little bit now into divisional news, uh, AFC North division news. Freddie, Kitchen was, Freddie Kitchens was hired by the Cleveland Browns today as to be the next head coach. They let uh, interim head coach, former defensive coordinator there, Greg Williams, go. Uh, he will not return to Cleveland next year, I guess unless Freddie Kitchens brings him back, but they've already let him go, so I don't think they will bring him back. Kitchens was obviously the offensive coordinator there during this resurgence of the Browns uh, after they fired Hugh Jackson. Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator for Hugh Jackson. He was let go as well, uh, but Freddie Kitchens... Did very well, had great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, and it worked out very well, well enough for him to get head coach. I thought they would give it to Greg Williams, but Greg Williams is, um, you know, his, not intervention, but his role that he played 
in in Bounty Gate with the with the with the Saints may have been what ultimately cost him here. I really don't know a whole lot about this Brown situation, but Freddie Kitchens is the head coach. I think it's a decent move. I think Greg Williams would have been a better coach, but Freddie Kitchens is the is the coach, and I think that as long as he can manage this team, um, this team should be in contention for the AFC North next year. Um, but the Bengals are still in search of a head coach, you know, because why not take all the time in the world to find a replacement for Marvin Lewis, who took all the time in the world not to win a playoff game. Um, so some rumblings I'm hearing out of Cincinnati are there's a few, there's, there's eight candidates in total here. Um, Bill Lazar, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals currently. Darren Simmons, their special teams coordinator in Cincinnati. Eric Bieniemy from, from the Chiefs, he's the offensive coordinator under um, Andy Reid. You've got Hugh Jackson, the Bengals' special assistant to the head coach, former head coach of the Cleveland Browns. We all know how that worked out. Shane Waldron, Rams' pass game coordinator. Uh, Todd Munkin, ex-Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Vance Joseph, ex-Broncos head coach. And Zach Taylor, the Rams' quarterback coach. Um, Rumblings I'm hearing are the Bengals are actually strongly considering Vance Joseph, who was just fired for two years of really bad coaching. And even... What's even more mind-boggling is they're actually considering Hugh Jackson to be the head coach of the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals moving forward. Obviously, Hugh can't win at all in Cleveland, basically. Uh, and that was a dysfunctional team to the, to the brim. You know, the, the Bengals obviously don't have a great connection with their fans here and doing what the fans want ever, really. The fans have wanted Marvin Lewis gone for a while now. Um, it took him this long to fire him 16 years into his career were there. Um, but if they hire Hugh Jackson, that is a complete disaster, uh, and the Bengals will not compete for the next five years, at least, in the AFC North if they hire Hugh Jackson. Vance Joseph, I'm not so sure on. Uh, you know, I think Vance Joseph could have done a lot better job in, in, in Denver, but maybe a change of scenery is, is better for him. I'm, the jury's still out for me on him. Uh, I don't think they should hire Zach. I think I expected this last week. I expressed this last week. Zach Taylor is a bad, would be a bad hire. Um, Shane Waldron, I'm almost positive, would be a pretty bad hire. I think their best bet here would probably be Eric Bieniemy um, or Todd Munkin, really. I mean, the, the, I'm not a huge fan of the way Tampa's offenses run, but I think, you know, Eric Bieniemy or Todd Munkin would probably be the best hires now that they've narrowed it down to these guys. I'm really surprised that they didn't go after um, former Packers head coach um, oh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, I'm really surprised they didn't do that. I thought they would. They didn't do it. Um, but if they hire Hugh Jackson... I'm going to laugh for the next five years. It's going to be hilarious to see that unfold. Um, Vance Joseph is a gamble. It's a huge gamble, but it might pay off. You don't know. But I think Eric Bieniemy is probably their best bet. Todd Munkin probably their second best bet. Um, so, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the news for today. I do a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the future of this podcast. Obviously, today is episode 25 of the podcast. I've been doing this for 25 weeks straight. Um, and we're going to take a little break from the podcast for the next four weeks. As the Raven season is over in the playoffs, there's not a whole lot of news that's going to be coming out. I want to spend some time really going over some of the more you know um, creative sides of the podcast. Maybe look into getting some bumpers, uh, some you know audio for the podcast. You know some different techniques. I want to I want to kind of look at maybe figure out ways to get you know the listeners more involved in the podcast. I want to kind of just spend a little bit of time working on the infrastructure, getting new ideas and and other pieces of puzzles together for this podcast. In the next four weeks, especially now since the Ravens are really not going to have a whole lot of news coming out between now and you know the end of end of the Super Bowl uh, week, you know fe- this February third is the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm shooting 
for the next podcast episode to be on February 6, 2019. Um, if there's any other news, you know where to find me, at Fun on Twitter. You can find us at Baltimore Feather. I'm sorry, at Feather on Twitter, or just go to BaltimoreFeather.com uh, for all the latest news. But I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot to fill episodes with between now and then. I don't want to have filler episodes where I'm talking about hypotheticals over and over again. Um, so, you know, I'll take this time really to think about what I can do with this podcast and how I can improve it moving forward, maybe get some more fan interaction in there, um, and, you know, figure out how to, you know, do some nice things, I think, that would overall improve the, the quality of this podcast. Uh, I'm happy with the finished product of the, of the first 25 episodes of this podcast. Uh, I really didn't think it would last 25 episodes. I thought I would probably fade it out, not really expecting to go that far, you know, maybe cut down on how many I was doing, but, you know, I'm happy how it went over. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast so far. And of course we're coming back. We're going to come back stronger than ever. We're going to have a whole bunch of new things for you. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot higher quality. I'll tell you that if you like it right now, it's going to be a lot better when we get to February. Um, but this four weeks, I'll really just take to kind of, you know, reevaluate, kind of go back and see what works, what doesn't, you know, maybe listen to some other sports based podcasts and maybe I kind of want to introduce some segments. So if you have any ideas for the podcast, you can shoot us an email at info at baltimorefeather.com or you know just dm me on twitter at be more feather or you know shoot me a tweet whatever if you have any ideas uh or at nest talk too that's where you can find this on twitter um but yeah be sure to uh follow us on itunes or um subscribe to us on uh youtube for you know the notification when the next podcast is up again i am scheduling it today for february 6 2019 that is a wednesday we will still be broadcasting them on wednesdays publishing them on Wednesdays. Um, so I hope you all come back then, and I hope you enjoy the first 25 episodes of this podcast. When we get back, we'll talk about Ravens draft news, Ravens free agency, whatever news we may have not covered between now and and the Super Bowl. Um, it'll be a jam-packed, um, exciting offseason, I think, and there'll be a lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah, have a great month of January. I hope you enjoy the rest of the playoffs. I'm personally rooting for the Colts to win. Uh, I don't know who you guys are rooting to win. You can let me know on Twitter at Chris Linfon or uh, at Be More Feather or even at Nest Talk. You can follow us on Facebook um, by searching up or like us on Facebook by searching up Nest Talk or Baltimore Feather. And of course, you can always check out the Baltimore Feather blog, uh, www.baltimorefeather.com. So yeah, I'm Chris Linfon signing out until February. Have a great month, everybody.